This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, yesterday we talked about what makes agencies fail, which feels kind of negative. So let's flip that today and talk about what makes agencies succeed? Some of the things are the same. You know, I really hammered on lack of focus. So obviously, if you have focus, that's a way to succeed. We also talked a lot about capital and are you ready? But there are so many other things that will put you in the best place to have success. I really like this whole idea of how are you going to generate business? How are you going to generate opportunity? The reality of it is, is most of us that start insurance agencies or become a producer are very sales minded. That's usually first. Very rarely do the bookkeepers, the accountants, the finance people, the operational type engineer people, very rarely do those individuals say, hey, I think it'd be a great idea to start a sales organization, which is in effect what an insurance agency really is. And you just don't see that a lot. Number one is how are you going to generate your opportunities? Where is that going to come from? There is a word that the industry uses that they use it in two different ways. And I really wish that there was another word to use for one of them. And that's the concept of referrals. So many times when I'm working with an agent and I will talk about their referral network, their brain automatically goes to their customers. It goes to the idea of how to get customer A to refer me to customer B. But really in truly, when we talk about a referral network, we're talking about how you're going to get the majority of your business from a B2B setup. When you're starting out and there's no customers, there's no customers that will refer you other customers. I mean, that's just basic reality. I agree that, yes, we need to think about this externally. Who is going to help me here? Do I have relationships? What are my daily activities? What do I do every day? What am I involved in? And then for me, what are you passionate about? If you're passionate about something and you can combine that with generating a referral or center of influence or concept out of what you're passionate about, now we're really making some progress. Now we're really getting down into a success area because we're going to be passionate about it means we're probably going to know a lot about it. From a traditional perspective, think about what contacts you have in the banking world, in the lending world, in the real estate realm. Figuring out where those initial referrals and those long-term referrals are going to come from and really have those relationships set up from the beginning, I think is key. It is. Everyone that gets into this business has a relationship somewhere. If you're younger, it might be through parents. It might be through family members. It might be through parents of friends. There's some mechanism that you can plug into. It might be alumni from whatever college you went to. There is some sort of mechanism there. If you will just expand your brain, kind of see a big picture, be creative, there's an opportunity there for you to connect in to a referral network. Thinking of the banking idea, something that so many people don't think about is having a relationship with their banker, having a face-to-face personal relationship with a banker. Which might sound a little foreign in certain areas because you may not 
have a banker, but you have a banking relationship. You've got to have a bank account. And that is not lost on the banking industry. They get it. I've talked to several bankers. They have realized that their value is still in relationships. Their value is getting to know their customers, their business owners. They want this. And so if you're out there like, oh, how do I do that? I don't. I haven't seen a banker in four years. I don't know what a banker even looks like anymore. Well, guess what? They're there and they are jumping up and down to have relationships because they have realized if they don't develop really good relationships, that they're going to go by the way of these more global or national banks that are trying to go technology, digital banking. I've got a young cousin, college graduate that is in the banking industry and she's doing very well. And the banking industry is much like the insurance industry in that they are trying to attract that Gen Z group to come in because they realize the big labor shortage and gap that they have between the boomers and Gen Z. And so you're going to see, I think, much like insurance, you're going to see the banking industry go pretty young over the next decade. And things go wrong. There's identity theft out there. Things disappear. You wake up one day and there's thousands of dollars missing from your bank account. Knowing who your banker is and being able to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, something has gone wrong. This is crazy. Or even better, they're watching out for you and they pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, this is what what's happened. Let's get this fixed. I'm telling you, it is so much better than be able to call an 800 number when your bank account is missing 10 grand. If you think it's not going to happen to you, then it's going to happen to you. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That's something we've learned around cyber. Don't ask us how we know this. Don't ask us. First-hand account that we really don't like talking about because it puts us in a fetal position, but it's just there. We have a couple of banking relationships. One of our banking relationships is a young individual. He's a millennial. He's in his early 30s. He's doing very, very well in the banking industry. I kick myself because I let him get into the banking industry instead of the insurance industry. When I think about that and I think about what he's doing and really kind of process that, he's very relationship driven. And we had a, a situation a couple of weeks ago, actually, where we had a little hang up around daily limit, around money. And we were processing actually agent commissions and we had a little glitch in stuff happening and it didn't really hit me until after it was done. But I texted and called the banker. It's one of those situations. And I texted him and he was all over it. Now, is he all over it because he's an incredible banker or is he all over it because of the relationship? And it could be argued that it's both and it probably is both. But the relationship that we have is beyond banking. It's beyond business. It's business. It's personal. It's so integrated to the extent that he is getting our business and keeping our business because I'm not going to do anything different. Why would I? I have him on text. Thinking about our most successful partner agents, what do you think is the key to their success? I think they're very relational and they're very good at developing relationships, just like we've been talking about. They're not annoying, but they're persistent. And that's important. There is being persistent and then there is being annoying. Nobody wants to do business with an annoying partner, vendor, etc. Following through, following up, that is something that is 
done very well by some of our best partner agents. I don't want to leave out focus. I can't leave out focus. Our most successful partner agents are extremely focused on their business. When you talk about don't be annoying, but be persistent, it reminds me years ago, I shared an office with a salesperson that I swear people would buy stuff from her just to make her go away. I think that happens. People don't want to be sold either, but there is a selling process. Just can't be annoying. So there's this balance here that needs to happen. And I'm still trying to figure out how to help train people with this mindset. And I don't really know where I'm going to land on it when it's all said and done. When I was learning to be a salesperson, I shared an office with the most incredible media salesperson. She was wonderfully successful. Everyone loved her. She spent over 20 years in the industry and then decided to do something else. And you'll never guess what she decided to do. Come a race car driver. No, she opened an insurance agency. Really? Okay. And was able to translate all of those business relationships that she had from her previous business and has become an extremely, extremely successful agent. And I look back at how she built those relationships and she was at every birthday party for every one of those clients' children. And she had the biggest Super Bowl party of the year. And she was at weddings and she was at wedding showers and she went to every funeral if somebody needed something. But she was always there in a friend capacity and that translated to an extraordinary career. I assume that translation is because there was authenticity behind it. And that's really the piece here that moves you from genuine and long career to out of the annoying stage. I would kind of equate annoying with not being authentic. If you're authentic and you really want to be there because this is my friend, the relationship is strong. If they buy from me, great. If they don't buy from me, great. That type of approach is going to always win because people are craving relationships today. I think one of the best things to do as well is get out of the insurance box, move into those areas, join the networking group for realtors. Make sure that if you're in one of the local service organizations, the Lions Club, the Rotary Pilot Club. I always say, don't be the president, but join and be active. Being a part of the community, getting out of the insurance box, finding those other places that you're going to meet like-minded people is so important. Make sure you carry your just say no capability. It's not get involved and say yes to everything because that'll overwhelm you. I do think that that's a huge piece is the networking and the ability to to make those connections, especially if you, you know, it, look, it's possible to be an introvert and be an incredible salesperson. It's possible to be able to not be comfortable going into a crowded room and actually grow to become that person who can do that. And that can be a trained thing. It can be a learned thing. A lot of things you have to overcome, but it's possible. It works. I want to go back to focus. This is truly a focal point for you. So what does focus mean for us in the industry? Accepting and understanding who you are and then living there. Focus to me is 
you're trying not to be in the comparison world. That is our biggest problem when we're starting agencies, when we're talking to candidates to start agencies, is everyone is looking at someone else and saying, I want to be that person. And I think that is a big part of our downfall. I think that's a societal downfall, but I think it's a really big part of our downfall in the independent agency system. There are a lot of really successful independent agencies that are in their second, third, or even fourth generations, especially in micropolitan areas that are not big urban areas uh, or suburb areas. As long as they haven't been bought yet, you can generally find these multi-generation mid size on the verge of large independent agencies. And what I see is I see a lot of agents that come out of the captive system or producers and they want that same thing, but they're missing the fact that it's been a 60 year journey for that agency to get where they are. My comparison is House Hunters International. This young 27-year-old couple with two dogs and they're in Charleston, South Carolina, and they're looking for their first home and they've been in an apartment for two years and she's a social worker and he is in law school and their budget is $950,000. And you watch that and you go, what? Either they're leaving out the trust fund or dad's buying them the house or... Or they have a great relationship with their banker. Or they have a great relationship with their banker where they don't have to pay a note for 30 years or something. It's like, what? That's not real. I think about that and I think about college kids too today because these college apartments are being built and they're renting them out by the bedroom. You know, so they're building these four and five bedroom apartments. The developer is renting them out for five to $700 a bedroom. The guy's getting 3000 to $3,500 a month for the house. But these apartments, these houses are nicer than my house that I'm going to die in. If you can't tell, this is a rant of mine. That we're going to come out of college. Well, what do you think the expectation is for my first house if I'm 23 years old? And I went from mom and dad's house that they worked blood, sweat, and tears to be able to buy and pay for and build or whatever. And now I've gone into this house with four or five other roommates and I've managed to keep my in budget. And it's, it feels good because I'm renting by the bedroom with some common space, but my kitchen countertop is granite. And so when I'm 23 and I graduate and I get married and they're not looking at apartments, they're looking at houses with dumb budgets. And you're like, this isn't real. Don't do this to yourself. Please don't take out this mortgage at 23 years of age. Please don't do this. You're not ready. And that's what I feel like happens When we do the comparison, we look across the street, we look across town, and we look at that third or fourth generation agency, and we go, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Well, you're skipping all the steps. So I just do have to tell you a story real quick. I had the opportunity to mentor a young lady at the University of West Florida who was in the communications department. And I was asking questions and we were having these talks and I was talking about where she saw herself five years after graduation. And she told me that she was going to own a record label. And she told me that she was going to be living on the water in a house with an infinity pool. 
that overlooked the Gulf of Mexico. And she was telling me all of these things. And I'm asking her, okay, well, do you have contacts in the record industry? Do you have this? Do you have that? And no, her expectations five years out of college was that she was going to be in this $3.5 million home and running her own business with no contacts whatsoever. So if our topic is what makes an agency successful, especially when we're starting out. I think what we're saying is make your expectations realistic. Don't play the comparison game. Don't be looking at what uh, everyone else is doing. And also you can't base your expectations of your business. Really and truly, you can't base them on the income that you're making now as a producer working for someone else. Life doesn't work that way. So having realistic expectations and And if you're married or in a partnership, making sure that your partner understands that their expectations need to be realistic as well when you're starting a new business. Comparison makes us think we can skip the steps. And I'm all for being more efficient and I'm all for the next generation or the generation after that becoming more efficient and doing it better than I did it. I'm all for it. But there's some things you have to do. There's some steps you have to take. There's a pathway. There's a journey. And skipping steps is a really good recipe for mental failure when really and truly you're not failing at all. I've been at this agency for four years and I'm only at four million in premium. You're not failing. You're ahead of 99.9% of the agencies out there. You're kicking butt. And I had to talk a young man off the ledge about six months ago that was not very far off of those numbers. It's this expectation because of comparison that took them down that path. That's really important to think about what makes us successful. And that is be realistic. Understand that this journey, don't do this comparison thing. Get out of that world. I love true definitions of words. In talking about focus, if you look that up, it says the center of interest or the state or quality of having or producing clear visual definition. So I love the idea of clear visual definition when you're figuring out what you're going to do every day, your everyday routines. One of the things that I remember from spending time with Seth Godin a few years ago was that he said, you know, people that set these 5, 10, 15, 20 year goals, that is crazy in this time period. You need to be setting six month, 12 month and 18 month goals. And those 18 month goals, be flexible on those that life just changes so fast now. And so I would say one of the keys to success is setting those short term goals, maybe even their two week, four week goals, rather than trying to envision what life is going to look like in five and 10 years. Because I can tell you, those of us in 2010 that said, what does your life look like 10 years from now? When 2020 hit, not a single one of us was right. I'm a product of dreaming. Okay. So I want to be very careful to not kill people's dreams or come at this like you can't dream. I just think we have to separate that goal setting from the dreaming. And I am a product of those conversations. Here's the thing though. Where does that dreaming, where does that come from? Because if it's coming from the very, very one-tenth of one percent of the success people 
that our society puts in front of us, whether it's social media, whether it's traditional media, we don't think about the bullpen catcher that's making a half a million dollars a year or the long reliever who's had a 12-year career in the big leagues pitching two to three innings a game three times a week, four times a week, and is making a million five a year over 12 years. Nobody's talking about that guy. Nobody's looking at them going, wow. What they're doing is they're looking at Juan Soto and he's turning down $450 million contracts. That's what we're talking about. What happens is, is we create these dreams of us in terms of success from a one-tenth of one percent perspective instead of that reality spectrum, that focus spectrum. I would have been just fine being a bullpen catcher for half a million dollars a year for 15 years. That's a pretty good career. (laughs) And you think about that, nobody's saying 10 years from now, I'm going to be a bullpen catcher for the Astros. No baseball player in college or high school is ever going to say that. What they're going to say is I'm going to be Altuve. I'm going to be Juan Soto. I think that where do those dreams come from? And that's kind of where I'm going. I think they come from that comparison model. And that's where I would kind of come from on the independent agency piece is we have to get out of that. We have to stop thinking like that. So one last thing that I think is really imperative when it comes to being a successful agency owner is finding a great mentor. But that doesn't mean taking advice from everybody that you talk with. I think going back to that whole idea of comparison is sometimes if you have this really great mentor and you have talked through things and maybe you're not getting the answer that you want to get, you'll hear me say advice is what what you ask for when you already know the answer but wish you didn't. And a lot of times I see agents start asking other agents, well, what do you think of this? And then they'll ask someone else, what do you think of this? And then what do you think of this? Well, when you end up getting 10 different answers to a challenge you're having, it creates so much frustration. So I don't know if that's comparison or I don't know if that's you're going to keep asking a question until you get the answer that you want. So that would be a big thing find a mentor, find someone whose life that you want to emulate, find someone whose business that you like the way it looks, you like the work-life balance that you have and trust them. When they give you an answer or lead you to an answer that's not the answer that you want, there's probably a reason for that. Having a mentor, yes, extremely important. There's so much noise in the marketplace and there's so much noise everywhere we look that having that mentor that you connect with that you resonate with that like you said aspire to is really helpful in keeping you grounded now if your mentor is selling you something if your mentor is not giving you that clear authentic perspective well then you probably need to hunt another another mentor that's something that i think is really important because the noise if you ask 10 agents about something you're probably going to get 10 different answers you're not going to get consistency and a lot of times what i think happens i know this is what happened to me I already knew what I wanted to do. I already knew the answer to your point about advice. What I really wanted was validation. And what I learned along the way was that being a business owner is about taking risk. And where I've shifted to is originally it was like, yeah, being a business owner, you got to take risk. You got to take risk. Well, a gambler takes risk too. Betting on the horses is taking a risk. I'm not talking about gambling. Where I've moved to is Being a business owner is about taking calculated risk. That is a different animal 
altogether. If you start thinking about the way we make decisions, the way you make decisions as a business owner, and you're asking a bunch of different people, and you're getting a bunch of different answers, and all this noise is clouding things, what you're after is validation. And you're not going to get that. What you need is to be able to have that calculated risk decision. And understand, if I do this, there's risk attached to it. And that's okay because guess what? You get the reward too. I've moved to calculated risk over just pure risk taking. But the mentor is not going to validate you. This is back to your deal. A good mentor, my mentors have never validated me. They stepped on my toes. They told me the things I didn't really want them to tell me. And I was aggravated at them at times, but I respected and appreciated them. Other people that validated me generally were giving me what I wanted to hear advice, which was terrible for me. So I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Wilma Rudolph. It doesn't matter what you're trying to accomplish. It's all a matter of discipline. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.